there. You're listening to the Only Schoolers podcast. I'm Gina Prosh, and hanging out here with me as always is my co-host, Kristen Edwards. And it's a fine place to hang out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We hope it's a beautiful day wherever you happen to be tuning into the podcast. And tuning in you are. We say it every episode, but it is true every single time. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to us and for sharing the podcast with your friends. Please keep up the good work tagging us on social media or passing the word in your homeschool groups. We are on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Or if you like a good old-fashioned email, which I happen to, drop us a line at onlyschoolers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And while many of us are on the downhill slide toward the end of the year, It's also the time that many people in the homeschool community begin to think about next year. Me. Last episode, we announced the winners of our first Only Schoolers anniversary giveaway. One of the prizes was our Only Schoolers homeschool planner. So if you're trying to get a jump on next year, starting making plans for next year while everything from this year is still fresh in your mind, be sure to stop by our Etsy shop. It's at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Only Schoolers. And just grab a copy of that Only Schoolers Homeschool Planner. And because it's a digital download, it is a great tool for planning for one kid or multiple children. And just so you know, when we created our planner, we designed it with toner use in mind because we're moms. It's pretty, it's colorful, and printing it off shouldn't have you making a bunch of trips to the office supply store because it used up a bazillion toner cartridges. Ugh, that is so maddening. Because sometimes I'll see this great something or other for a resource and I'll really want to print it out. But nope, not going to because I can I can tell it's going to be dark and heavy and I'll have to go buy more toner. And then the paper, it'll get all puckery from being saturated by the ink and it takes forever to dry and you get it all over your hands and everything. Blah. I just hate it when that happens. Yes, (laughs) me too. So let's get on to something that's more fun, like what we're talking about today on the show. We have reached the letter G, and our words are... Da-da-da-da-da-da! Growth and grace. Since we are smack dab in the middle of springtime, let's begin with growth. It really is the perfect word for this time of year because everything around us, it's greening up, it's blooming, it's growing. So Gina, get us started. What are your thoughts about growth? You know, when we were talking about this episode, we kind of bounced around between, you know, G for germination or gestation, and then we just kind of went for the more general idea, G is for growth. And indeed, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, growth is all around us. We've been mowing the grass since the end of March. I've been pulling weeds in the garden since the end of February. Ugh, the thing about weeds is they never sleep. They just keep right on growing all day, all night. They're like super serum powers or something. I know, I know and my dirty fingernails can testify to the truth in that statement. So when I look at nature and what's happening, I think there are three basic kinds of growth. You've got like a growth spurt, and then on the other side of that, you've got the growth delay. And then the third type is the very common gradual growth over a long period of time. Right. So I remember this happening with September when she was a baby. But do you ever remember just going into Wyatt's bedroom in the morning and thinking, wow, he's just bigger than he was last night when I put him to bed? Oh, yeah. It's it's literally like he grew overnight. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with a growth spurt. They happen all the time with kids, even when they're older. I think White's pretty well done growing now, but I remember several times, especially in his early teens, I'd see him in the morning and I'd think, you're taller than you were, (laughs) you know? So these growth spurts, 
They can be physical growth, like when we're tiny and, wow, she weighs more than she did yesterday. But they can also be skills-based. So, for instance, when you think he doesn't know how to roll over and you turn around for a minute, and when you turn back, he's almost rolled off the bed onto the floor. Right. (laughs) All of a sudden, you realize that you need to seriously rearrange your parenting game plan and do different things because your child is suddenly very, very different. I mean, some kids simply stand up one day and start walking around the house and parents are frantically trying to kid-proof everything because their crawling, scooting darling is suddenly a biped. You know, Wyatt, he had the strangest kind of sidewinder crab crawl and it didn't get him where he wanted to go fast enough. And he walked when he was eight months old. And we thought we'd have a few more months to figure it out and he wasn't having any of it. He's up on two feet and he's been running ever since. Yeah. Well, you're talking about rolling there. And I remember when September had just learned how to roll, she was on the floor. I stepped out of the room for a second and she rolled herself under the crib and I came back and she was gone. I thought, where'd she go? She can't move that fast. (laughs) But I found her. She started walking at about a year, but once she mastered that running, like Wyatt was not far behind and our house is ranch style. So we've got rooms arranged in kind of this circle. So she start running in the front room and it was carpeted at that time. And we hear her little bare feet running through the wood floor of the classroom, through the tile on the kitchen, back through the carpeted dining room. And she'd end up back in the front room again, just collapsing with giggles that she managed this spectacular feat of running in a circle. And each room made a different sound so we could track her path. We knew exactly where she was and she was fast. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, because it's a growth spurt, There's really not any warning. It's not like, danger, Will Robinson, growth spurt imminent next week. Which, I mean, it it can be hard for parents to recalibrate on the fly. You suddenly find out that you need to go shopping for a bunch of new clothes because nothing fits. All the shirts are too tight or too short. Uh, None of the jeans are are, are working. And word to the wise, if if you're raising boys... I tried to talk Wyatt into thinking of his short jeans as capri pants. Um, doesn't actually work with him. <laughs> I, don't know. I wouldn't think so. That's funny. But yeah, September's feet had a growth spurt last year. When we finally got back to the rink after the lockdown, her skates were like two sizes too small. Oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. Well, I think she'd been shoving them in for a while, but it became very obvious they were too small. <laughs> Not fitting in there anymore. But there are also educational growth spurts, and those can be super challenging for parents too. So Kristen, you talked about the fact that September had an educational growth spurt, and presto, she's taught herself how to read. Yes, that was definitely unexpected at age three and a half, because formal education was the last thing on my mind at that point. So how I found out was I'd bought her a couple of new books in her, it was her favorite at the time series, Amanda Pig. And when I came home from a dinner out with a friend, she started telling me about the new stories that were in these books. So I said, oh, did you and daddy have fun reading them tonight? And she said, daddy didn't read them to me. I read them to me. And I'm looking at her going, what? (laughs) And it turns out while he was catching up on TV, she was over in the corner reading and he didn't even know we had the new books. And I thought, how long has she been doing this? Oh my God. So basically you're over here thinking, oh, you know, I wonder how I'll teach September to read. 
honestly, I hadn't even thought about her reading yet because she was just three and a half. I mean, we played alphabet with letters on the fridge and stuff, but it was it wasn't anything really formal. And public school was actually on our agenda at that time. So the idea of purchasing curriculum to help her learn to read never occurred to me. We just took lots of trips to the library. We read out loud a lot, a lot, a lot to her. And I guess that did the trick. We did have to be creative while driving sometimes, though, because there are some billboards that an almost four-year-old doesn't need to be reading. And somehow, along that same time, she picked up on reading cursive, or at least this weird cursive hybrid that I use. So any notes that were left out with, say, a birthday list or Christmas or something, that wasn't safe either. So has Wyatt ever unexpectedly just jumped a level like that? Um, nothing like teaching himself to read the way September did. Um, you know, he never spontaneously understood long division or anything like that. But there have been times he's gobbled up information as quickly as we could shovel it his way. So maybe things that I anticipated taking three weeks took three days. Um, things that I thought might take a semester took a month. And it can be exhausting trying to keep up with kids in the best of circumstances. And when they start skipping ahead or suddenly become fascinated by something, hard to recalibrate and keep up with what they need educationally. And sometimes it's even a little bit scarier because suddenly I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this after all. Maybe I won't be able to keep up with him. But right. <laughs> I do want to come back to the idea of reading because that is often where I see homeschool parents super concerned with the possibility of delayed growth. The, my five-year-old is finishing up kindergarten and isn't reading and has no interest in reading sort of thing. Right. And I, I do feel sad when I see that because I feel like people think that is a delay because with very young children, it just seems like we just want to push, 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 push to read very early because, you know, college readiness, it must begin at birth, except not. And honestly, I think that all of the um, the studies are, are correct. Most kids do catch up by third grade. So yeah, my kid was reading at three and a half, but everyone is caught up at some point. Some kids simply aren't ready that young. Just give them some time. It really does help. My best advice there is always um, get your kid an eye exam, a comprehensive eye exam, not an eye screening like your pediatrician will do during a well check, but a comprehensive eye exam with an optometrist. Um, there are a lot of really common eye conditions, amblyopia, you know, lazy eye issues with tracking, depth perception issues, color vision deficiencies, things like that. Once you know that your child doesn't have vision issues, then just be patient. You know, wait six months or a year and see if your child is more ready. And while you're waiting, help them fall in love with the idea of reading. Snuggle on the couch, plop them on your lap, read fun books. You know, it may feel like it's all a rush, but really, you've got time. We've said this before. No one is asking when kids learn to read on their job or college applications. No. I, I definitely don't remember putting that on mine. And that kind of brings us to our last bit on growth, which is this slow growth over a long period of time. I think that's probably the most common sort of growth, but sometimes it's overlooked because it does happen so slowly and so gradually. And this is the best reason I can think of to keep homeschool records. So as parents and teachers, we can see that growth and change. Right. And we're not talking about report cards or things like that, because there are honestly so many other things that can comprise our homeschool records to illustrate that growth. I've done a Brave Writer thing called monthly narratives off and on. I'm not as thorough with them as I, as I would like to be. But 
When I do it, I will document everything that we did in a day. And once you have a few of them over the course of a year, you can easily see where things are happening, where growth is taking place, and where some things are sort of slipping by. I also keep a yearly accordion file, and I just shove everything into it. Sketches, writings, flyers, certificates, stuff like that. And from year to year, if I you know, pull them out and sort through them, I can see that there's been a maturing in school, in skills, in knowledge, and in interactions. Honestly, for me, just having a conversation helps me see growth. It's, it's the best way that I've found. Is she applying what we learned about black holes and wormholes to a plot hole in a movie? That's growth. Does she reference someone as an Emma or a Macbeth? More growth. When I see those sort of text-to-self or text-to-world connections, I know something's sticking, and I should probably go write it down so I'll remember that I saw something was sticking. But what are some of the things that you do to document growth over a longer span of time? Oh, I completely agree about the conversations. I think that that is just the best way to know what your kids are learning and retaining. But that being said, uh, my husband keeps a journal and records things he and Wyatt have done together, things that we've done as a family. You've got accordion files. We have giant tubs of stuff, vet <laughs> uh, programs, flyers, brochures from places we visited, you know, post-it notes stuck to those things, crafts he's made, cartoons he's drawn for each year of school. And then after a couple of years, I'll sort and I'll toss stuff out because, you know, we live in a small house and there's simply not room for 13 years worth of tubs of school stuff. So I will keep some sentimental samples of things that go way back to his early days of homeschooling. But then there's also simple stuff, you know, like the photo library on my phone. Oh, oh my gosh, let me give you an example. So the other day I snapped a picture of Wyatt and he's wearing one of his mini Alpine hats, which he has a collection of. And he's got his hands to his side and this expression on his face that's like, gee, mom, do I have to do this? And later, as I scrolled through my phone photos, I saw a bunch of pictures I'd taken of him, so maybe three, four years ago. And he's wearing his train engineer's cap and he's saluting. And suddenly I remembered for a while, anytime I took a picture of him, there he was, engineer's cap and this kind of salute sort of thing drove me bonkers. The hat was beginning to fall apart. And I'm always like, put your hand down. This is not the army. <laughs> I remember, and I remember when he started with his, his new hat collection, but when I saw that picture, now I'm here thinking, huh, wonder when he stopped saluting like that. So like you say, that's growth. I could see it from the photographs and yeah, we're talking about growth over a period of years, not just days or weeks or even months. I remember that hat. That was the choo-choo chaboogie year, right? Yes. <laughs> that was the choo-choo chaboogie year. Yeah. I think though, as parents, we're just so close to the action. It's really hard to step back and see that growth. That would be obvious to anyone who only saw our kid occasionally. I think back to September learning multiplication all those years ago. And there were days that I wondered whether it would stick. And we had a chart up on the wall that she could kind of use as a cheat. But now she doesn't even pause when she's multiplying length times width and geometry. Boom, that knowledge is just there. But sometimes being patient is really hard. Oh my stars, yes. I am not patient by nature. I'm maybe better than I was, maybe a little bit. But being all chill when I'm feeling pressured or in a rush is not my strong suit. So I've talked before about how we ditched cursive writing in third grade because it was just not the right time. He grew and he changed and he was ready when he was maybe 12 or 13. 
I have had friends whose kids hit a bump with math. The kids would get frustrated and angry. The parents get frustrated and angry. But rather than continue for everyone beating their heads against the wall, they'd say, you know what? We are not going to worry about math for the rest of this year. We will pick it back up in the fall because for whatever reason, their kids weren't ready. Very often by the time fall rolled around, something had shifted or changed or whatever, and math just went swimmingly. There was growth over a longer time. Right. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the last episode about that idea of just having faith in the process. Just have faith that it will all work out. So there's one other thing about growth over a long period of time. If you're talking about kids dealing with puberty, hormones are very real. And if your child has not hit that season in life, be forewarned, plan accordingly. Because if all of those hormones are enough to throw an adult for a loop, an adult who's used to dealing with it, then kids who are dealing with it for the first time can really struggle. And it doesn't matter if they're male or female. Those puberty years when they're growing and changing from children into adults, it can be stressful for them and it can be stressful for you. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be patient and let them grow into this new phase of life at their own pace. Oh, that's the truth. You know, it's springtime here in Missouri and there've been lots of flowers blooming. You know, the crocus and daffodils have been gorgeous this year. They haven't gotten too beat up by the wind. They were doing their thing in March, but we have to be patient. And then the hyacinths and tulips will come along a little bit later and a little more patience. And then the lantana and the petunias and the zinnias will flourish during the middle of summer. Be patient. Flowers will grow in their own season, and it would be foolish to yell at the marigold section of the garden during April because marigolds aren't spring flowers. They're not going to grow then. You know, our kids are that same way. They will grow, but at their own pace. Right. Which is why our second word for this episode is grace. Because when all else fails in the homeschool, grace prevails. You are absolutely right. There are so many layers and potential meanings to the word grace. It's a really dense word. It's one of those words you love because it's both noun and verb. Oh, yes, that's so true. I, I love a multifaceted word and grace definitely delivers. I mean, think about all the different things. There's, let's say, grace before a meal. There's someone who is moving with grace. There's your grace if you happen to be meeting a duke or a duchess. Um, there's the grace period with a payment on a bill. There are social graces. For verbs, people can grace the stage. And in Greek mythology, there are the daughters of Zeus that are referred to as the three graces. So when we were talking about this G word. I remember you saying, I grew up Lutheran. We've got to do the word grace. What do you mean by that? Um, so I grew up attending a Lutheran church, and I'm still part of that community today. And Lutherans spend a lot of time talking and thinking about grace. And one of the best explanations I've ever come across is from Peter Marty. And he said, perhaps grace is like a pre-owned car with one of those as-is stickers taped to the window. To be embraced in an unconditional proposition, not some as-we-wish-we-were ideal that will never be. I think if we can bring that idea into our homeschools, everything becomes a lot easier. Now, grace is not about never correcting or disciplining your kids. It's not excusing bad behavior. It doesn't mean it's okay to make a habit of scribbling all over the walls with magic markers. Or Grace doesn't mean kids don't do their chores and skip feeding the goldfish or cleaning out the cat litter box. Grace doesn't mean um, never saying thank you or that you're rubber stamping being rude. But it does mean that love doesn't have strings attached to it. And it does mean that 
maybe some days that it's okay to not do the cat litter. Cut yourself some slack. Cut your kids some slack because no one is 100%, 100% of the time. So that was long, but how does that sound for a starting place? It's a good starting place. Because in homeschool, I think of Grace as remembering that I'm an adult with years of experience behind me. My daughter's just starting to figure things out. So if I want her to keep growing and maturing, I've got to give her this grace to learn at her own pace. She's not going to do everything exactly the way I would. But that's where the learning takes place. That's where she grasps this idea of owning her own education. We each get to make our own mistakes, and I make quite a few of them because I've never homeschooled a high schooler before. So we're both navigating this this lifestyle and new things are coming up all the time. So we both have to give each other grace. We have to be ready to forgive and be forgiven. So how have you experienced grace in your homeschooling journey? Um, There have been days when we've homeschooled for maybe five or 10 minutes and I've just decided to give Wyatt or maybe myself a little grace and we stop. We call a halt because the relationship we share is more important than getting any particular book read or specific activity done on any given day. So maybe one of us isn't feeling up to stuff, or maybe it's just such a beautiful day there's no reason to stay inside when we could be outside enjoying some glorious sunshine. Well, that's the homeschool motto, right? We don't take snow days, we take sunshine days. And if it's not the homeschool motto, you know, it should be. Sunshine days, that always reminds me of that Brady Bunch episode where the Brady kids form the, the the silver platter singing group and go on this amateur contest to pay for this anniversary gift that they had for Mike and Carol, which is a silver platter. And one of the songs they sing is It's a Sunshine Day. And Cindy starts by singing, I think I'll go for a walk outside. The summer sun's calling my name. I just can't stay inside all day. I got to get out and get me some of those rays. I have sung that song at times when it's a gorgeous day. We've been working hard and we take a break grab some ice cream, watch the trains at Bolivar Street. It's great. That that does sound great. Lately, we've been listening to Hey There, Mr. Blue Sky, that song by Electric Light Orchestra. And it's just one of those fun songs that gets you up and going too. And we like to make a sonic run. Those half-price drinks during happy hour are just the thing some days. And earlier this year, we talked about, um, in an episode, we talked about unrealistic expectations being the source of trouble for homeschoolers. So let's come back to that. I think setting unrealistic goals, the kind that are based on everything going precisely right and on a precise schedule, often raise our expectations to a place where we can't attain them without a lot of stress. And so grace means it's okay to say, hey, you know what? There is no reason this absolutely has to be done today. And then be sure to ask yourself, does any of this need to happen this week? Sometimes the grace of a spontaneous day or rest of the week off can do wonderful things for homeschool. What do you think? Tell me you relate. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about it last episode, which is when I was talking about how to battle frustration. What has to be done this week? And only focus on this week. We've started what we call runaway days over the last couple of months, because I know I've mentioned that this year's just been all caps hard. So we've stopped fighting the hard part of it. It wasn't getting us anywhere. We just give ourselves grace. This school year will get done. I have faith. 
But at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's far more important that we protect our relationship. So every few weeks, we just get in the car and get away for the day. Sometimes just breathing the air in a different city, that's enough to recalibrate and get back on track. And a long car drive is really the perfect time for just a nice long talk. Oh, we love car drives. They're, they're just really great. Another thing I think about these days is, unfortunately, the world is a very hard and unforgiving place. And I am so glad I grew up before cell phones and social media and deep fakes. I mean, I know I said and did really stupid things when I was a kid because, <laughs> well, you know, that's what kids do. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Kids don't always have a filter between the brain and their mouth. Um, Crap, I'm an adult and sometimes I don't have a great filter between my brain and my mouth. So (laughs) at least there weren't so many opportunities to have my stupid moments recorded. And it may sound like overkill, but you know, we've reminded Wyatt ever since he was young, if you're outside of our house, assume you're being recorded or videotaped. It it truly is, especially, you know, everybody's got their phones out. You never know where you're going to turn up. But I definitely wouldn't want some of my stupid younger self mistakes on the interwebs for all time. Oh my gosh, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, it does seem like there's not a lot of grace out there. I, I just think it's really sad for kids. Anytime I see young adults in their 20s being roasted over something they said or they tweeted or whatever from when they were like in middle school. I mean, they're treated like public enemy number one and their crime was being, what, 13 or something? I think of that line from Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better and when you know better, do better. We need to give people a little grace to have grown and to know better and be doing better and not hold it against them that they at one point in their life, didn't know better. You know, I used to probably stick Cheerios up my nose. I didn't know any better. So maybe don't immediately judge everybody based on something they posted on social media when they were in middle school. Especially the um, clothes and hairstyles from the 80s. Don't judge. Oh my gosh, Aquanet. (laughs) Yeah. But one of the best things about Grace is that it's a free gift. I can give it to another human being, my daughter, my siblings, my friends, complete strangers, and there's always more to give. Oh, for sure. If there is someone struggling with a toddler in the toy aisle at Target, maybe show a little grace and say, hey, we've all been there. You keep on going, Mama. That's way more helpful than scowling and muttering at kids these days. And because I've seen the call to uh, give people grace being misused, I do want to add this caveat. When we are talking about giving people grace, it does not mean giving people permission to be verbally or physically abusive at all. No, not at all. We're not, we're talking about innocent, youthful mistakes, just lapses in judgment. We are not talking about criminal behavior here. And the interesting thing though about grace, I think is how transformative it is. Showing grace to other people or to yourself, it changes the way you see yourself and the situations you're in. Anne Lamont says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but it does not leave us where it found us. And that is certainly our hope for today's episode, that it hasn't left you where it found you. So listeners, what kind of growth do you find the most challenging to deal with? Has a growth spurt thrown you for a loop? And how have you used or experienced grace in your homeschool? If you want to share, and we certainly hope you do, we'd love to listen with you. Please join us on Facebook and Instagram at our handle, OnlySchoolers. You can also email us at OnlySchoolers at gmail.com or just find us at our website, OnlySchoolers.com. 
thank you for continuing to grow with us and showing us grace as we continue to bring you the Only Schoolers podcast twice a month. You guys are simply awesome. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider giving us a little financial support. There are monthly expenses associated with keeping the podcast and all our back episodes up and running. So if you can drop a one-time donation in at our Patreon page or become a regular sponsor, we would appreciate any support you can give us to keep the podcast happening. Or you can purchase Only Schoolers gear and files and things at our Etsy shop. But most importantly, just keep spreading the word about the Only Schoolers podcast. And thank you so much for listening today. We will be back in a couple of weeks with the letter H. So as Roy Rogers and Dale Evans used to say, happy trails to you until we meet again. Thank <laughs> you.